Hello, Kristen here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that the antidote is a thing that's happening. It's a series of monthly gatherings that will help you return to your body and your being over and over again in the face of, you know, 2024, election insanity, climate change, global wars, your own personal stuff, other stuff. It's crazy out there. And it's easy to abandon yourself and freak out. The antidote is for bringing you home to yourself so that you can be safe in your being even when the world outside of you feels objectively unsafe. And because everybody's marketing at you and there's no reason for you to believe me, you can head to jointheantidote.com to grab a free recording of the first session that happened this week so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. Hello and welcome to this episode of That's What She Said. This is the absence and the presence. And to be fair and to just give you a heads up, this one might go a little long. Um, because this is, this is something that I've been struggling to articulate and to name and to sort of give words to for a very long time. So sometimes there are things that I write them or they, there's an idea, there's a concept, there's something that's like, oh, there it is. And, you know, 15 minutes and a thousand words later, bang, there it is. I can articulate it. And then sometimes this is a podcast that I've, that I've sat with for hours and looked at and re-looked at. And I'm like, that's not quite right. What is happening? Why can't I name this? What is this thing? And I've put like, write it, editing time, editing time, editing time. (laughs) Um, So if any part of this feels like it's really close, but it's not quite, I would love your help articulating this because this is as far as I can take it without giving it to you to talk about and to be like, what am I missing here? What am I not seeing? What am I failing to articulate that's affecting all of us? Because as much as I'm a business coach and you can hire me to be a business coach and all that, there's something else that I am. And that's a feeler. Like I'm an Enneagram four wing three. If you don't know about the Enneagram fours are feelings, period. Um, and three is just go, 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 go. So like productive, but feelings, feelings, but productive. That's four wing three. <laughs> so I've been doing a lot of feeling and rather than just hiding that from you, because it's not the most beautiful thing in the world, I want to be able to name it because I very, very much doubt that it's just me feeling this and I'm just fucking crazy because it's just me. That's never been the case. It's taken me decades of working with helping professionals to be like, there has never once been a time that I have been in pain and have been able to articulate it really clearly and not have someone else meet my pain with, oh yeah, me too. So that's what I want to do here. Not because I need you to be in pain, but because you're already experiencing this pain and when you can articulate it, you stop thinking that you're crazy and you have a name for it. So in our sort of mental health We have all sorts of diagnoses and therapists and psychologists and psychiatrists and mental health professionals. And I fucking love those people. And sometimes 
What you need is not just a one-on-one with a person to help you manage your life, but to know that everyone feels this at some level, whether they can articulate it or not. This is a societal thing. And where we can give name to a societal thing that hurts all of us, like every, every fucking human on earth is affected by this, then we make it less about, oh my God, it's just me and more about, okay, well, I can control this. What can I do? How can I handle this? How can I be not just sort of swept up in this? And then your asshole brain gets involved and says, it's just you and puts you into like weird hermit, quiet, I'm not even going to talk about this mode. And maybe that was just me projecting. Maybe you don't have any of those feelings or thoughts. Maybe 2020 wasn't your year to feel like, am I fucking going crazy? Maybe you had the best 2020 of anyone who's ever had a 2020. (laughs) And this thing I want to talk about still affects you. So the goal here is to name the pain that you might be feeling and to let you know you're not alone. Uh, It's not to scold you. It's not to judge you. It's not to to induce guilt. It's not to induce shame. It is not for any purpose other than where you can name a pain. It suddenly doesn't hurt as much or make you feel as crazy. That's it. Um, And as Mr. Rogers taught us, anything mentionable is manageable. So I want to mention this so that you can begin to manage it. It's like if you always have this pain in the side of your ribs and you never tell anyone about it, it's just always there. And then somebody's like, oh, I have pain in my ribs too. Oh, and then you can start to begin to be like, I'm not alone and I can talk about this, right? This is like that. So I'm going to tell you two stories that seem unrelated, but I promise that they are. And then we'll go from there. So the absence and the presence. Here we go. We arrive around 2 30, 2.30 in the afternoon and put our bags down and go running out the back doors. Mud. Where the Airbnb photos promised us a shimmering and scenic body of water, there is only mud. Smelly, foul-looking, deep, deep mud. Well, that's climate change, I mutter. And then the three of us sit quietly on the dock. I mean, it's not like we can complain because they can't control the water, right? I mean, at least we have shade when we sit out here. (laughs) We sit with the disappointment, breathing into this girl's weekend's very absent piece de resistance, which is shimmering, soothing, nature-y water. Mudhouse is not a thing that people are into or go to, Right? A few minutes later, Dawn perks up. Is there more water than there used to be? And it's true, where there was a teeny tiny stream of water moving through the mud, like inches wide, there's now more water, a flowing stream, maybe a few feet wide. The wading birds arrive and they catch the tiniest fish glinting in the incoming bay water. It's like a nature show, I exclaim. (laughs) We watch the tide coming in like toddlers. We are amazed by every last detail. More birds arrive, herons and gulls and little swooping birds I can't name. We watch more bird fishing go down, sometimes by wading, sometimes by dive bombing from above. Birds are crazy. They're amazing. It was fun to watch. Within two hours, the dock is once again perched over water. Amazing, soothing, nature-y water. And yes, I made up the word nature-y. It's spelled N-A-T-U-R-E slash Y or dash Y. (laughs) If you're laughing because we didn't realize tides could mean there's no water and then there's lots of water, yep, I've been to lakes, I've been to rivers, I've been to the ocean, 
but the ocean never just disappears from the beaches I visited. So this was a shocker. This was a whole bay situation that I'd never experienced. It's also a metaphor for the whole thing, the absence and the presence. There was an absence, which we felt and smelled, and then there was a presence, which we appreciated all the more because minutes before we had resigned ourselves to enjoying the view of the smelly mud. Granted, it had little, like, piping birds and some other crabs and things. Like, it it had its perks, right? At some level, this is how all of life works, starting with breathing itself. There's the absence of breath, the exhale, followed by the presence of breath, the inhale. One follows the other for as long as we live. The tides roll in and out. We work, we rest. The sun rises, the sun sets. Presence, absence, presence, absence. Story number two. The aforementioned girls weekend was strictly unplugged. We used GPS to get to the property and to navigate to the next major town because we were like eight miles from somewhere and no GPS or maps is not the best idea, but that was it. No games, music, apps, news, email, texts, phone calls, or notifications. We were gloriously free of our devices and could fully sink into presence. We watched nature, not nature shows, even though it looked like a nature show. We watched nature and went exploring and cooked dinner and talked and laughed and cried and slept and read books and connected deeply. The absence of phones allowed for the presence of our full selves. On Tuesday, when I sat down to work, my interiors were experiencing flaming hot raging convulsions of freak out. Like, Inner tantrum levels were similar to those of a kindergartner who refuses to get dressed and go to school while the bus is pulling up to her stop. Like there was crying and flailing. There was an outright refusal to get to work, even though the clock said it was time to begin. What's going on? I asked myself. And the answer was screens. What's this about? Why am I freaking the fuck out when I've just had so much rest and connection? Unless, and this is a weird one, The connection is the problem. Excuse me. The presence of other humans in deep time contrasted so sharply with firing up my laptop and getting to my online work that my whole being threw a righteous fit. I am starved for deep human presence and connection, and I'll bet you are too. The modern world, so far as I can see, is dominated by absence right? You're talking to someone and they pick up their phone to pay attention to a notification. Absence. You're in the middle of the story when a call or text arrives and the other person leaps to their device. Watch, phone, iPad, laptop, iPhone, whatever the fuck. Absence. You don't know what to do with the afternoon, so you fire up a streaming service and grab some chips. Absence. You're bored as fuck, so you spend the next few minutes or hours or days scrolling on social media. Absence. Devices all but guarantee that absence rules the room. Further, we're promised presence by social media. Look how many influencers are influencing right now. But rarely experience presence. We're given infinite numbing tools, absence, and wonder why we don't feel more connected to ourselves or each other. Some days... For me, navigating the internet feels like eating three pounds of fake bacon and hoping that if I eat enough of it, I will forget how actual, real, not fake bacon tastes and believe that the fake bacon is real. 
that's what it feels like. Like if I just have enough fake bacon, eventually I can trick my body into believing that this is real, but it doesn't work. We're respectful of public safety as the Delta variant continues to circulate, which means absence. And we don't see, touch, hug, or interact with as many humans in any two weeks of 2021 as we had access to on any given day in the before. And I'm not talking dropping your kids off at school and waving from a distance interaction. I'm talking like actual meaningful human interaction. I am starved for human connection and giving me a taste of presence for a few days only made the absence in the other days more obvious. Because when I go to work, it's with a screen and I'm meeting people on Zoom and I'm making phone calls and I love, I love my people. And still they are never ever in the same room with me and haven't been for a couple of years because of Corona. I want more presence. The absence of screens allows for the presence of deep and rich human connection. The presence of screens causes unhappiness full stop. That is not a judgmental statement, lest you think that I'm being judgmental, because facts. Uh, Science-wise, quote, the results could not be clearer. Teens who spend more time on screen activities are more likely to be unhappy, and those who spend more time than average on non-screen activities are more likely to be happy. So more time on screen activities, more likely to be unhappy, more time than average on non-screen activities, more likely to be happy. There's not a single exception. All screen activities are linked to less happiness and all non-screen activities are linked to more happiness. This is from the Atlantic's article, Has the Smartphone Destroyed a Generation by Jean M. Twenge. I'm going to say T-W-E-N-G-E from the September 2017 issue. These screens mean unhappiness findings were evident before pandemic. I'm quoting an article from 2017. Before we had less human connection than ever before due to COVID. The longer pandemic goes on, the more acutely I feel the absence. There's a hollowed out version of my heart that remembers walking up to babies in Target and making them giggle for no good reason. P.S. Their moms were not afraid of me when I walked up to them because my breath could not harm their baby. It also remembers life before smartphones and before Zoom and even before the internet itself. Do you remember life before the internet? Do you remember? Because it existed. It happened. I had like 15 whole years of that life. Do you remember when we had nowhere to be but right here? And even if right here was objectively terrible, at least we were here together. Like, I remember just putting on my angstiest outfit and smoking cloves with Megan Mao at, at Frick Park, behind, like just sitting and staring into the middle distance, watching the sunset. There was nothing going on, but at least there was nothing together. That's gone now. Absence. What's present is infinite scrolling. More and more and more and more. Posts, reels, likes, clicks, streams, and feeds. The absence of meaning. Ongoing stress so enormous that 100% of my clients report remembering fewer details and needing to write more stuff down so they'll be able to do their work. And that's across the board. That's fucking multiple degrees from Ivy League universities. That's doctors. That's photographers. That it's, it's everyone. It doesn't matter what your position is or where you went to school. The absence of memory is real. 
There are memes stacked up in my text messages like endless mind Doritos. Like, sure, Doritos are fun, but if you only eat Doritos for a few days, we both know you're going to feel like garbage. The all-Dorito diet is not going to be fulfilling. The absence of nourishment. Distractibility so high that in 2020, I got off FaceTime calls and cried because I didn't get what I needed. Like, sure, I technically just saw my best friends, but there was so much else going on, like cats, doorbells, interruptions, that we couldn't possibly connect deeply. The absence of depth. Not being in the same room makes it hard to connect deeply. At one level, I am being a big crybaby and whining about having to use screens to do my work, which I'm privileged enough to do from home. I acknowledge this fully and am grateful for my ability to shelter in place for the duration of pandemic. And the paradox. At another level, I'm crying about the biggest crises of our shared humanity at the soul level. The absence of meaning, the absence of depth, the absence of nourishment. In Fierce Medicine, uh, which is her book, Anna T. Forrest says, quote, We have the same problem in our culture as we do in our bodies. We take in too much that's non-nutritive, whether it's junk food or junk information, and we attempt to be fed by it. We pour in so much information, so much food, and our bodies and minds and emotions get constipated, clogged, overloaded. Of the information we take in, how much of it can we actually live on, and how much is crap? There's nothing wrong with crap, but it's an end product. End quote. We're collectively starving at the soul level and chiding ourselves for being unable to deal with it. Feel the heavy air quotes there. Deal with it. Or, again, heavy air quotes, walk it off. Or, again, heavy air quotes, suck it up. And yet I realize I sound like a shitty t-ball coach. Like, deal with it, walk it off, suck it up. But that's what we're doing. We're starving at the soul level and just giving ourselves these shitty t-ball coach platitudes that don't actually help. We cannot expect to live fully engaged, gorgeous lives without meaning, depth, and nourishment. If you take away meaning, depth, and nourishment, I do not want to live on this planet anymore. Those are the things I'm here for. If it's just Doritos and scrolling and shallow, 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 shallow bullshit until the end of time, why are we here? We are so overcome by practicalities and ever-shifting logistics that we can't see how hungry, tired, lost, and or numb we are at this phase of pandemic. Nature's rhythms have absence and presence built right into their foundations. High tide, low tide, inhale, exhale. You can't avoid that. We can't make high tide not happen today. We can't just choose to only inhale and not exhale when we breathe. But screens offer absence without a naturally occurring answering rhythm of presence. It's just endless absence without presence. We have to consciously make presence happen. We have to choose to put the phone down, place the Apple Watch in the drawer, banish the iPad to the other room, turn off the TV, and move the laptop into the office. Do you see how many layers of defense there are? That's phone, Apple Watch, iPad, TV, laptop. That's five screens that have to be banished in order to be at a place where we can be together. Because otherwise, the absence eats us right up. The absence is made of and feeds on the monetization of attention, endless comparison, fear of missing out, hyper-stimulation, and scrolling. 
It eats away at our ability to be present with other humans until eventually we prefer the presence of screens to any living, breathing being. And we can choose presence. We can put our goddamn phones down. (laughs) We can and we must. We can cult cultivate the absence of screens so that we can be present in our more engaged three-dimensional lives. We can ask for what we need and try again if what we asked for didn't quite hit the mark. We can forego memes and scrolling for do not disturb mode even if it's for 10 or 20 minutes at a time. Do not disturb mode doesn't need to be the rest of your life but given 10 minutes of do not disturb time you will want 15 and given 15 you will want 20. That's just how it works. We can forego social media's greatest hits of the day for one true conversation with a human being. We can cultivate awareness of our interiors. If you'd like a place to begin, the soft dot space, T-H-E-S-O-F-T dot space, to do breath work with me. We can actually feel our feelings instead of shoving them down and pretending they don't exist. We can share our most vulnerable thoughts and tales and by just hopping over to kristengelp.com and doing a quick little search for these keywords, you can find these things. My Hall of Vulnerabilities covers cannabis, sex, depression, and that time I lost 43 grand on a business event. Like, this was just the basics, you know? <laughs> like, just being so vulnerable that I thought I would die and then pressing play or publish to the internet. We can tell on ourselves Meaning we can tell on ourselves when we're using screens too much. We can tell on ourselves when we are just numbing. We can tell on ourselves when we're like, I'm really fucking lonely. We can tell on ourselves when we are wanting to change a habit, but keep coming back to, yeah, just scrolled on Insta for 17 hours instead. And I say 17 so that it's hopefully an exaggeration and nobody feels called out. But we tell on ourselves like, you guys, I need help putting Instagram down. Okay. Telling on yourself is the first step to being held accountable and maybe shifting that behavior. We can admit that this shit is hard and let others know when we're drowning. And sometimes letting others know you're drowning is just, you don't have to sort of, air quotes, burden them with that fact. But you can ask for help and ask for help and ask for help and ask for help and then ask for help some more. (laughs) And the thing is, we can do all of this together if you'd like. So I'm committed to giving you deep, gorgeous, stunningly beautiful human connection without screens this November. And it's at an event called the Imaginarium. And Bub is apparently very stoked about it. If you're free from November 14th to 16th and can make it to Philadelphia, this is for you. So every portion of this container is geared toward presence. It's geared toward providing soul level, soul level sustenance for the months ahead. Because yes, we're doing another winter with COVID. No, we don't have to hate every minute of it. So while you're at the event, which is live in person in Philly for vaccinated humans with a bouquet of COVID testing at the beginning of each day, we're going to suss out one habit you would like to develop for the months afterward. And then you'll be held accountable for doing the thing you say you're going to do. So I'm giving you the gift of other humans to hold you accountable for doing the thing you say you're going to do. As well as sort of breathing you back to life. There will be huge amounts of truth speaking. Um, 
and again from Anna T. Forrest's book, Fierce Medicine, quote, truth speaking, speaking from a place of deep honesty and compassion propels us into a very rich field of feeling. Every time we speak the truth, it shudders through the cobwebs and dimness in our lives, tapping back into the beauty in our world, in ourselves, and in each other. How incredibly sweet it is to be able to talk about what's really important, stepping out from behind our facades and the stupid little conversations that we're taught are a necessary social lubricant, end quote. So if you would like to step out from behind your facade and not have to have the stupid little conversations that we're taught are a necessary social lubricant, because I can't fucking do small talk, if, if the absence of meaning, the absence of depth, the absence of nourishment hit you in the feels, Yes, talk to me. Five of the nine spots are sold, so you can be one of the lucky four who get to come. And the only way to get details about the Imaginarium is to literally talk to me on the phone. And you can book a call at bit.ly slash C-O-A-C-H-C-A-S-S-O. Even if you can't be there, can you begin to notice the absence and the presence starting with your own? It names so much about what hurts today. Because if we're all here, present and together, there is nothing that we can't face. But if we're all here, distracted, absent, and unable to connect, but we're technically in the same room, that's a buffet of Doritos. It's exciting. It's shiny. It's a buffet of Doritos. But it is in no way nourishing. Where can you commit to presence? What does it look like to drop boundaries around making presence in your life, in your business, in your home, in your family, in your community? How and where can you double down on human connection? Because screens ain't it. Who or what will help you deal with the temptation to fall into absence and stay there? So that's where telling on yourself becomes really important. Because I understand that you just want to fall into absence and stay there. I understand that completely. And the cost of that is dimming your soul. But it's so convenient. (laughs) But the cost of that is dimming your soul. Where and when do you need to cultivate the absence of devices in your life in order to be more present? Hint, if you own an Apple Watch, throwing it in the trash is a really great way to be more present. I took a fucking victory sip of coffee for that statement, which I am not retracting in any capacity. Those are the questions that will heal your soul. Where can you commit to presence? How can you double down on human connection? Who or what will help you deal with the temptation to fall into absence and stay there? It's like Alice's rabbit hole to Wonderland, but it doesn't lead to Wonderland. It just leads to Instagram, which is frankly not that exciting as rabbit holes go. Where and when do you need to cultivate absence of devices in your life in order to be more present? As always, I am committed to providing deep nourishment for every phase of your journey, whether it's your soul journey, your business journey, I'm here for it. So you can book a call to talk with me about one-on-one and or in-person work um, because I am able to work with people one-on-one virtually. Um, I'm just talking about the in-person because it's soon and any of that information, bit.ly slash C-O-A-C-H-C-A-S-S-O. Coach Casso is just my Ted Lasso counterpart, and that will lead you to booking calls with me. 
And if you need help cutting screen time by two hours or more per day, thus increasing your happiness, says science, space will help. You are 21 days away from more presence, starting at kristenkelpcom slash space. Both of those things are linked in the show notes wherever you find your podcasts. And now a poem from a few weeks ago that's also about absence and presence. Um, this was a disappearing podcast that I made disappear, so I can end with it. I think it says everything that I would like to say otherwise. Again, this is one of my poems. Ooh, nerves. Here we go. The anxiety is a ball stuck in my belly, a bag of beans bouncing in my chest with no way out, a shallow breath, a sigh, a numbing, a tear-stained morning, a fear of closing my eyes to see what my brain has to say. Seeing the anxiety is new to me, though perhaps it's been there forever. My quiet self, my shy thoughts, those self-righteous walls meant to protect my brain that actually kept anxiety humming right along, content to be closed in all the while. The anxiety is a mental prison, a leaving of the body, an abandoning of breath. New dramas every day and still the same old pattern. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Come back to the breath. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. All is not lost. Inhale. Exhale. Begin again as many times as you need. Inhale. Exhale. Thank you so much for listening. May you notice the absence and the presence more frequently. May you choose the presence more often. May you get more comfortable with admitting that screens are often an absence and letting that take a backseat in your life. And if any part of working with me is interesting, bit.ly slash C-O-A-C-H-C-A-S-S-O. And if you need my help cultivating presence by kicking screens to the curb in some capacity because you don't know where to start, kristenkelp.com slash space. Thank you so, 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 so much. Please let me know what you think, kay at kristenkelp.com, and I'll see you soon. Thank you for listening. One more time, The Antidote is a series of monthly gatherings to help you come back to your body, your being, and your breath when it's most likely that you'll self-abandon. The Antidote is the antidote to trying to do everything all alone, all by yourself, while you grow more stressed and you're generally freaking out and telling everyone you're fine while quietly or not so quietly scream sobbing in a private place between tasks. Let's not do that. Let's try something different. This is a really simple format. One gathering a month on the first Tuesday of the month until the 2024 election. So we're practicing the skills that we will need in November now. And we're getting really comfortable with body, breath, and being now. And that's available to you at jointheantidote.com.
www.thepowerofpositivity.com. There's a free recording. You can sign up. You can get more details. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy.